Hello and welcome to Six Sad World. I'm Jasmine. And I'm Mari. So for our final episode of 2018, we are doing a fun end of year crime wrap up, I guess. Um, So this episode, we are going to be talking about some of the top crimes of 2018. And these are basically not not our like favorite crimes because I don't think you can have a favorite crime because they're yeah. all awful. Yeah. <laughs> but um these are some of the kind of crimes that had the biggest impact on us. Yeah. So I don't know if I used fun as the best way to describe this episode, (laughs) but, um, you know, as always, we hope you guys enjoy hearing us educate you and talk about um, the stuff going on in our world. Yeah. Yeah. Did you manage (laughs) to find a, like, non-murder crime? Um, not one that I wanted to do. (laughs) <laughs> which sounds like awful but like a lot of the non-murder related like big crimes that I saw it was hard to find like a non-murder related crime but the ones that I did see were like I don't know like big financial scams or whatever which I guess are still important. I feel like but... I should get into those like more like financial crimes and like heists and stuff, but I'm always just right back into the murder. Yeah. It's like the easiest to find stuff on that I feel would be I'd be able to explain properly. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like I'm not I'm not I'm not a business person, so I don't know much about business. Yeah, like, I feel like I'm much better at making those social connections with the murder ones because it's like, like, murder is a very clear, like, these people are affected because they're dead. Yeah. (laughs) Whereas with, like, the more financial ones or the more, it's, like, more complex it's like you have to go through years of like this is how the financial system works and this is how people get screwed over yeah and i'm just like i can't (laughs) i can't i just can't so um the case that i decided to cover today And it's not, like, big in terms of, like, if you were to search a list of, like, top 10 biggest crimes of 2018, like, I don't think it would make that list. But I still think it's, like, it's, I'm surprised it wasn't talked about more. Um, And I feel like it should get more recognition because of how frequent these kind of things do happen. Anyway, so... Um, on September 15th, 2018, a Border Patrol officer by the name of Juan David Oritz 
was charged with four counts of first degree murder. Uh, Are there any content warnings? I was about to do that. About to do that. Oh, um, cool. So, in terms of content warning, basically, uh, murder, um, abuse uh, towards sex workers, uh, drug abuse. But that's like a minor mention. Um, but that's basically it's not. It's still murder, but it's not the most gruesome thing that we've covered so far. But still, very, very awful. Um, so, or was I? Okay, so uh, charged with four counts of first degree murder, um, one count of aggravated assault, and one count of unlawful restraint. Uh, so Juan David Oritz who is the patrol officer I mentioned before, he was planning to take his uh, fifth victim within the two weeks that he conducted all of these murders. So they happened pretty fast, but he was arrested before he was able to take a fourth life. Um, So how he was caught, his third prospective victim, so I'm not going to talk about this crime really in chronological order. I'm kind of going to jump over a little bit. Um, his fifth victim managed to escape um, when he kidnapped her. So her name is Erica Pena. Uh, Pena. Uh, Oritz was picking up sex, work- sex workers because sex workers, I guess, in terms of victims, are one of sort of the easiest people to target because oftentimes, For sure. you know, the kind of areas they're in people wouldn't notice if a sex worker went missing. And even if they did, people are less likely to care unless they know this person personally. Yeah. Sex workers are very vulnerable. Yeah. Like if a child goes missing, everyone's up in arms. But if one sex worker goes missing, there's less likely to be a, like a, to be attention put on that. Well, like specifically white, children when white children go missing yeah. everyone freaks out but when it's like children of color a lot of times they're assumed to be sex workers anyways if yeah. they're not you know well to do exactly uh so he's choosing them because they were just they were easy pickings unfortunately um uh trying to turn page quietly there we go which is <laughs> um, like so also Oh, I was just going to say, um, which is like, I'm, I'm glad that you're, you're talking about this case because I haven't, I haven't heard of this. So this is all new information to me. Yes, new information. And also sex workers are easier to coerce into your vehicle because who else is getting into a vehicle with a stranger other than people who are taking taxis or Ubers or whatever. Yeah. And most people, they're probably not in a position know. to kind of turn people down. Yeah. Um, so when he picked up Erica Pena, she began talking about Melissa Ramirez. So Melissa Ramirez was the first victim um, that Oritz had taken. Um, Melissa Ramirez was a mother of two and she was um, found dead on September 4th at an, at an intersection of um, Texas uh, 255. So when Erica Pena was taken by Oritz, um, he pulled up to a gas station when she started talking about the first victim and 
clearly it triggered him. He was going to murder her, try to murder her anyway, but like her talking about and making mention of someone who at the time people didn't really know was missing upset him. Um, so he pulled a gun on her and Is this Pena? Yes, Pena. Pena is uh yeah, she was talking about the, she mentioned the first victim. She was talking about the first victim. Um Okay. Yes. And uh so he pulled a gun on her and there was a struggle inside his truck and she managed to get away and she ran to another gas station where she managed to find a um safety officer and talk about what was happening because at the time no one knew there was a, a ser- essentially a serial murder murderer out there. Um unfortunately. That's so scary. Yeah. That like these things are happening. It's 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 kind of scary to me to like be to imagine being in the car or sorry truck with the person who was trying to murder you and you talk about someone who they had murdered a couple of nights ago and it's i don't know it's just it's it's scary it's scary it's a scary situation and i'm so happy that she managed to get away and like make people aware of this that this was going on yeah and i can imagine like if it was a border patrol officer and then she ran to like another officer that must have been scary too because like you never know now like yeah that kind of trust is like not broken i mean like yeah like border patrol has not been yeah exactly the squeakiest clean kind of enforcement yeah not that many enforcements are but point is you know it's like if i go to another officer would they be buddies would they be like i don't i don't know do they know each other like is this person also another like um danger to me like what's the situation um anyway so after she got away, um, Oritz had decided to add two more people to his victim count um, that night. So um, these two victims, their names were never released. So they're just referred to as Jane Doe and John Doe. So the Jane Doe oh. and um, John Doe were picked up in the same area, but at different times. They're picked up in um, the San Bernardo, picked up at San Bernardo Avenue um or it's had uh, driven them to the city limits and told them to get out of the car at webb county overpass and so he had shot the jane doe multiple times in the head and left her body where she had died and he did the same thing um to the john doe shot him a bunch of times in the back of the head and then left him there and at this time, um, no one knew to look for them because, as I said, mentioned before, no one knew a serial murderer was out there other than um, uh, Erica Pena at the time. And it takes a while for these things to get out. And this happened within the same 
24 hours of her escaping him. Um, So she was the the third. She was going to be the third victim. But she managed to get away. Okay. And so four and five. No. So she's going to be third. I guess they would be three and four without her. Yeah, three and four. Yes. I mean, technically she's a victim, but not a victim of murder because she she managed to survive. Um, Mm -hmm. And I haven't mentioned the second one yet. Um, So the second one was Claudine and um, Laura. As she was a mother of five, she was 42, I believe. Um, She was found near a mile marker 436 of Texas 255. So they're all kind of within the same area. Um, She, however, was just barely alive when um, authorities had found her. Unfortunately, she died in hospital. Um, So after... So she was alive. Yeah, she was alive. He just left her for dead. Yeah. He just left her. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, he probably assumed she was dead, maybe. I don't know. There's not too much information on what he thought at the time when taking these people's lives. Um, so when Oritz was caught, the only reason they found out about the Jane Doe and the John Doe is because he told them. They found him hiding in some garage. He had to sort of run away because I guess he realized that he wasn't going to be able to get away with this after his, after um, Erica Pena had gotten away. Um, I mean, he wanted to get like a fifth victim before he was arrested, but that didn't end up happening. So this all happened like in a two week span. Um, so the U.S. Border Control and Homeland Security gave their condolences due to the per- perpetrator being one of their own. They don't normally comment on ongoing investigations, but like, obviously if somebody who works in your field becomes known as a serial killer, you should probably say something. And as you mentioned before, not that border control is the cleanest place, but you know, um, so both the second and the first victim, um, had been caught up in drugs, which does not justify the murder whatsoever, but their families did have this to say about them. Um, they said that they were always smiling, they had infectious laughter, that they were, you know, they lit up a room, they were like, when they were around, they were wonderful and amazing, and their life was cut short because of this guy, and it was very upsetting for them. So they did have families who cared about them and noticed when they were gone. That's just awful. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it would be awful regardless yes. of if they had families or not. It's just like... Just because you think people are vulnerable and no one's going to miss them doesn't mean that they don't have anyone. Exactly. Just to assume that no one would care at all. These people would be, that are, would be gone is... Well, there are so many things wrong with people who murder in general. It, the list goes on and on and on. But to be like, oh, these kind of people, no one cares about. No one's going to make a fuss. I can get away with this for so long because they're worthless, essentially. Yeah. 
is terrible. Yeah, because, like, to do that many in, like, two weeks, like, you must think they're disposable. Yeah. So the reason why I thought this was really important to bring up, because just in the um, La Redoux, like, county alone, like, the, the area, there have been three more border control agents that were arrested for for crimes like sexual assault and murder and other things and like it's terif- it's the whole border control situa- situation is complicated but like it's kind of like almost a serial killer's playground i feel like because the border is where so much can happen and no one would know what was going on like yeah and a lot of people if they're at the border, especially if they're coming from Mexico, yeah, like, um, like nobody on the U.S. side knows that they're coming, yeah, and like, um, people think so poorly of Mexican migrants or South American migrants, even, yeah, that like, like. It's like a culture of like just ugh. Anyways, continue. yeah. So I'm like, if in this little area, this supposedly sleepy town, as it was once known, had that much going on within the year of 2018, the border is pretty huge. And mm-hmm. oftentimes, when we hear about the border, we don't hear. A- we in in popular news, we don't. I guess popular news is not what I'm going for, but like in the news that we hear a lot, when we talk about the border, mainly what we hear about is like, oh, there's going to be a wall built so immigrants can't come in because the president and many people are racist. Um, like we hear about people who come over across the, the border stealing jobs but we don't hear about as much about the actual injustices happening at the border where people should really be paying attention the people the, the kids and the people who are trying to come over and are being assaulted are being hit with just recently what was it um uh it wasn't tear gas what were they what was happening uh gosh oh oh the caravan was the caravan Are you like about, um the 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 caravan from like was it like Honduras that I'm, came through Mexico and um like are you talking about like just recently? It wasn't like just as recently, but like it it happened a few weeks ago where people who were trying attempting to cross the border were being um shot at uh like 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 adults and children and all sorts of people being shot at with um i can't remember what kind of ammunition they were using i don't know if remember if it was like a tear gas or like a whatever but like those sort of things we look at as not being crimes really at all mm-hmm. in terms of popular news and it should be it should be scrutinized that we're looking at people who just want to who just want to come into a country and it's not even with 
ill intention, like the whole thing about the quote unquote, the American dream is for a lot of immigrants is like to come, come there for like a better life. Like that's the idea. And it's very, very frustrating to me that all the things pertaining towards the border are not really getting the attention that they need. Yeah. And I think it's important. It also kind of like, um, it reminds me of when Trump called Mexicans rapists. Oh, yes. And it's like, well, it's your border patrol that's the rapists. Yeah. Actually, like, you're being like, oh, we can't let these people in because they're bad and they're bringing drugs and they're doing this and that. But it's your border patrol that's literally murdering people, harming families, from like harassing people. Like, what are you talking like, about? Who are the assholes in this situation? The people who are just trying to it's escape horrible living conditions? Or the people murdering those people. Yeah. It's, it's, I guess it speaks to more so just it, the bigger picture of like the whole American politics and social issues and all that sort of stuff. Border control border issues, border crime just falls under the radar radar a lot of the times. And it shouldn't because it's so important. It's so, so important. And the fact that, like, it's funny, not funny, haha, but, like, funny as an ironic that even something where it's, like, this didn't even take place on, whoops, sorry, my pen, on, like, the Mexican side of the border. This was on the American side of the border, the people that you're supposed to care quote unquote you're supposed to care about. And nothing was really done. But only because of that one victim who managed to get away that anyone was aware of anything that was going on. Because no one watches Border Patrol. No one pays attention to them. Yeah. It's an injustice. And I wonder if the last two victims he did in such quick succession because he knew he was going to get caught. So he was just trying to do as much as possible before he had to go into hiding. That's what it seems like because he because he was trying to get he had he took four victims and he was trying to get a fifth as well. So I feel like he knew his time was running out. So he's like, I got to act quick. I got to get this count up real fast for whatever reasons i tried to, to figure out why or find out why he was killing these people but i guess in a way it was good that most of the things that i found were on the victims and less so about or it's himself because we've talked about this on our podcast oftentimes when we're looking at crimes most of the information is usually about the murderer and not so much on the people who were killed or who were slighted or who were assaulted like there's there's just too much of a spotlight put on the person who did the crime and they can become sensationalized or almost like a celebrity figure so in that way it was good but in terms of motive and trying to figure out more about why this was hap happening it was a little bit frustrating
Yeah. So yeah, that's my. There wasn't. It's not like a huge, huge case, but yeah. Well, I mean, just because there wasn't a lot of news coverage doesn't mean it's not a big case. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and like, thank you for bringing this case to my attention because I think I might have heard. I might have seen the headlines, but I didn't have all that information. Yeah. You're welcome. Oh, oh man. I'm I, sad now. I have a feeling that yours is going to be this, the absolute, like, nail in the coffin because you tend to do that. Yeah, I know. I have a problem. <laughs> but, like, that's why y'all tune in, right? Just listen to me be sad and then make you sad, right? It's a wonderful cycle. Every week, or not every week, every two weeks, we're like, hey, we're fun. Let's make you sad. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm Kiara. And I'm JV. And we're the hosts of Crime and Color, a true crime podcast that focuses on people of color. This podcast isn't only about serial killers or murderers, but it's also about forgotten victims who never got their stories told, people who survived impossible odds, the wrongfully convicted, as well as the monsters you may not have heard about. Every week, JV and I share with you an interesting case that has caught our attention in a hope to bring awareness to their stories or just share something unbelievable with a bit of witty commentary. (laughs) You can check out Crime and Color on SoundCloud, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. And if you're feeling chatty, you can talk to us on Twitter as well, at Crime and Color. Thanks for tuning in! So, you gonna give it to us? Yes. Okay. So, I had a lot of trouble narrowing down what I wanted to do. Mm. Um. I originally was going to do Bruce MacArthur, but technically his crimes were in 2017. Yeah. Um, it was just that because he got arrested at the end of 2017, all the coverage was in 2018. That, yeah. And then I thought about doing... There was a lot of things I thought about doing. Um, and there was one case I almost did, but it had a lot to do with race. And I was just like... I can't do this to Jasmine again, where I'm just like, here's a bunch of black death. Like, enjoy. (laughs) Um, I was like, I feel like, like it would be inappropriate for me to do it. Um, so I ended up picking, um, a mass shooting. Um, oh no! Known as the Capital Gazette newsroom shooting. Um, so obviously, content warning: mass shootings, gun violence. Um, I'm also going to talk about. Uh, there's mentions of harassment and Donald Trump and his whole fake news nonsense. Ugh. Ugh. <clears throat> Ugh. All right. You might want to settle in for this. It's it's a long one. <laughs> Again, I'm sorry. Don't apologize. I always just go into like so much detail and I'm always like, just understand how sad this is. Like, I want you to be really <laughs> depressed when this is over. 
and I like I feel bad about it, but also I don't. <laughs> um, okay. On June 28th, a man entered a building in Annapolis, Maryland, with a shotgun and smoke grenades, walked through the lower level of the building to the office of the Capitol Gazette. Uh, photographer Paul Gillespie had just finished editing photos from one assignment when the newsroom's glass doors shattered and gunshots rang out behind him. He dove under a nearby desk um, where he heard a colleague cry out before more gunshots rang out. Uh, the gunman silently moved around as he shot to kill. He stopped once to reload before shooting again when there was a lull in the shots gillespie ran for the front exit jumping over one of his colleagues bodies and headed towards a nearby bank where he got them to call the police uh there was also an intern named anthony messenger who actually tweeted out help us with the address of the building oh my god so police arrived on scene reportedly within 60 seconds of receiving the reports of the shooting. Uh, as police entered, the survivors raised their hands saying, we're not him. And a lot of them were still hiding under desks when the police showed up. They found him, the shooter, hiding under a desk. He had apparently barricaded a back door before the shooting so that no one could escape. A uh, reporter... Phil Davis, so this is a reporter from the Gazette, uh, tweeted after the shooting, there is nothing more terrifying than hearing multiple people get shot while you're under your desk and then hear the gunman reload. Which, like, that quote gives me shivers. It's yeah, just like, that, that thought, it's just so terrifying like you you're like a, a sitting duck essentially you're just kind of waiting yeah there's like nothing you can do at that point because it's just like gunshot after gunshot after gunshot and then the only lull is when he's reloading again yeah uh when police arrived four people were found dead at the scene another died at the hospital or at the university of maryland medical center and two more were treated for injuries the victims were identified as Gerald Fishman, a 61-year-old editorial writer who was known to mentor young journalists. Rob Hyassen. Wow, I should have looked up how to say these names. Uh, Hyassen you come across that. I know. I, there's just so many names, and then I never think to actually try and say them out loud when I'm like writing them down. I spend too much time reading and not enough yeah. time actually saying things out loud. Um, so it's either Hyacin or Hyacin, something like that. Um, a 59-year-old editor and writer. Uh, John McNamara, a 56-year-old sports reporter and editor. Wendy Winters, a 65-year-old reporter and columnist. And Rebecca Smith, a 34-year-old sales assistant who had only joined the team November of last year. Um, the two that were injured were Rachel Pacella and Janelle Cooley. 
Um, and this was an office of only about 20 people. So like five victims out of 20 people is like yeah. a lot of people. Some say that they were actually able to escape because Wendy Winters grabbed trash and recycling bins and charged the gunman, distracting him. So this is a 65-year-old woman, reporter, grabbed like these like the like trash bins by your desk and charged the gunman. Like that's bananas to me. Wow. Like I can't imagine like being 65. And yeah. then just having the courage to just be like, like, save yourself. Like, I'll I'll try and, and you know, like, get him down or something. Yeah, I'm, I'll do something about this man with something that could, that will hurt somebody. But that's incredibly brave. It is. Um... And then, you know, like, considering that she did die, I'm, I'm imagining that it was at this point, too. So, like, that, it was just, like, an actual, like, real sacrifice, like, throwing yourself on a grenade yeah. for someone else. It's just... Okay. As I was going to say, like, you say that you literally die for people, but actually doing it is... It's a very different thing. Okay. So another reporter, Chase Cook, tweeted after the incident, I can tell you this, we are putting out a damn paper tomorrow. And they did. With the front page headline that read, Five shot dead at the Capitol, with the photos of their fallen colleagues and an image of a crowd of officers at the scene. So like, this is literally the next day. Yeah this office still put out a paper um which i think is like mind-boggling because they like um a bunch of the like a bunch of the survivors afterwards like we're literally working from like vans on the street to get this paper just to get this like finished despite the fact that they went through this tragedy um kind of like in spite of the tragedy yeah almost like a form of protest in a sense like to not be it was it was a tragedy and if they wanted to like mourn and take their time they were within their like rights to definitely do that but you know it's also incredibly admirable that they didn't yeah um The shooter wouldn't cooperate with police, so he had to be identified through facial recognition. Uh, CNN reported that it was because his fingerprints had been altered. However, another police officer says that those claims are incorrect. The shooter was identified as Jared W. Ramos, a 38-year-old man from Laurel. Uh, Ramos had a long-standing grudge against the Capitol. So... It all began in July 2011. The Capital Gazette published an article with the headline, Jared Wants to Be Your Friend. This article was about how Ramos 
contacted a formal former high school classmate and over several months harassed her um, by alternately asking for help, calling her vulgar names, and then telling her to kill herself. Oh my god. Yeah. So, he was like a bad person straight from the get-go. Yeah. Uh, He was taken to court and he pleaded guilty and was sentenced to 18 months probation and ordered to attend counseling. Um, So, like, this harassment was going on for, I think it was, like, around a year. And all he got was probation. That's Which that's, I think is, like... The punishment doesn't suit the crime. Yeah. Like, I get that, like, oh, maybe with some counseling it'll prevent it from escalating, but clearly not. Well, yeah. That's uh, Okay. Uh, a year later, Ramos filed a defamation lawsuit against Capital Gazette Communications and its then-editor and publisher, claiming that his reputation had been damaged by the article. Uh, in March 2013, he represented himself at the hearing and apparently showed no understanding of defamation law, so the judge in the hearing dismissed the case. So basically, he like he filed a lawsuit against this paper... Um, saying that they ruined his reputation. Yeah. But then when the judge was like, okay, so show me where they lied and show me the evidence that they lied. And he couldn't do it. And he couldn't. So the judge was just like, okay, bye. This, why'd you waste up my time? I feel like him trying to like come for the paper for like, it's like the defamation, the defamation of his character was totally just because he did the thing. Like, he totally yeah. did the thing. He defamed his own character. He's the one who did that to himself. Yeah, and, like, he pleaded guilty. Yeah. It's, like, also kind of, like, not funny, but, like, I think it's really telling that he insisted on representing himself. Because either A, he went to other lawyers and they were like, you don't have a case. I'm not taking you on as a client. Or two, he really just thought that, like, he knew that much about the law that he could, without any training, without any actual studying the law, that he could just, like, sue somebody. I, I have no idea. I don't no idea why he thought that was a good idea. He had no case. No. Uh, that year, he also began to make... Uh, so this is in 2013. He also began to make online threats to the Capital Gazette. Apparently, the threats included mention of blood in the water, journalist hell, hitman, open season, murderous rampage... And murder, career, and paper. Now, these were all just, like, weird kind of, like, keywords. Yeah. That they, like, pulled out. They didn't, um, I didn't find any actual, like, um, screen caps or anything of the actual threat. So, I have no idea what the actual context is. But, like, some of these just sound, like, really weird. Like, murder, career, and paper. Yeah. 
Not sure what that means. It's it's um it's something to be questioned. Um but you know, it's all taken out of context, so I have no idea what was actually said. Anyway, so he was investigated for harassment and future possibility of violent criminal act, but an officer thought he wasn't a threat because he had only contacted them over Twitter and civil court filings and hadn't made any attempts to enter the building. Um, which, of course, when he did enter the building, yeah. he was doing evil, bad things. Um but the paper had dropped the charges because they were afraid it might escalate the situation. Um, which I think is, like, kind of shitty and sad because it's like they tried to protect themselves from this happening and it still happened. And this yeah. police officer was just like, ah, don't worry about it. He's probably just, like, blowing smoke up his ass. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. So, this case really impacted me when I heard it as a writer. Uh, my mother has actually asked me to tone down some of my work before. Um, like this piece I did where I like criticized the police and their investigation into Bruce MacArthur. Um, yeah. Because she was like afraid for my safety. Like my mom has literally told me like, can you not write about this kind of stuff? Because like I don't want something to happen to you. Um, and that's kind of like the climate that journalists live in, basically. Yeah. Um, it also comes after just over a year of Donald Trump crying fake news and calling the press the enemy of the people, uh, which is like pretty. I wrote funny, but it's not really funny. It's just ironic. Yeah. Um, because. After the attack, Trump tweeted that his thoughts and prayers were with the victims, and Sarah Sanders, the press secretary, tweeted, uh, strongly condemned the evil act of senseless violence in Annapolis, Maryland. A violent attack on innocent journalists doing their job is an attack on every American. Um, which is like, like, I call it funny, but in like a dark way. Yeah. Because, like, Sanders has, like, gone to bat for Trump against the press and said, like, called them liars and, you know, played up the whole fake news thing and has, like, basically has just been, like, the the press is the enemy and they're, they're all liars and manipulators and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So... Now that there's been a shooting, now they're all, oh, so sad, so terrible. Yeah. It's it's kind of ridiculous how, I don't know, it's, this kind of reminds me of, um, and this just speaks to people's own ignorance and how they don't understand how anything works. But recently there was um, a whole thing with, um, Google's search results. So there were some politicians who were not so happy. And um, I guess one of the people in there was like, hey, if you don't want people to say bad shit about you and your party or whatever, don't do shitty things. 
Trump gets a lot of bad press and fake news because he's doing shitty stuff. Like, that's, it's that simple. It really is. Uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, yeah. Like, when the judge was like, why is it when you type the word idiot into Google, <laughs> Donald Trump shows up? And he was like, because everybody keeps calling him an idiot. Yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that whole which thing is, yeah it's hilarious yeah and like the, the conclusion of that whole meeting was like I don't I don't remember the guy it was like I'm an Asian man he was like I'm gonna break it down for you real real smooth <laughs> like if you don't want people to say shit about you like bad shit do stuff that like gets good Google search results. People will talk about you if you're doing good stuff. They'll also talk about you if you're doing a lot of really bad stuff. So don't do shameful shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's that simple. I was like, wow. Like, he really had to do that for them. He really had to explain to them how this works. Because they weren't listening to the CEO of Google. He's like, we... Like, this is just what people are writing about. Like, it's not... It's not us. Yeah. Um, but like Trump's relationship is very much the same. It's like calling news that you don't like fake news, calling the press bad because they're writing stuff about you. That is true and saying it's fake. Of course, people are calling him an idiot because you do stuff. People don't write about it. So that impacts people like it's the it's the press's job or like a news or a journalist's job to talk about stuff that is happening. That's how it works. And if you don't like it, you most certainly don't have the right to go and take their lives just to bring everything back to your case. And like, you certainly don't have the, the right to publicly denounce it and call it fake news like the, the President of the United States. like. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's just like, I uh, I found their response to the whole thing just very like laughable because it's like, like you didn't respect journalists before, and now that it's like a big news item, and like there's been deaths there, now you're all like, oh no, we care about the press. No, you don't. You just semi-care about your image. Yep, pretty much. Okay. Um, so, another reason why I did this case was, uh, according to a report released by the Committee to Protect Journalists, the number of journalists killed in retaliation for their work nearly doubled this year. As of December 14th, 34 journalists were targeted and killed for their work out of the 53 that have died while doing dangerous work. Wow. In 2017, there were 18 out of 40, uh, 18 killings out of 47 deaths. So it went from 18 to 34. That's basically, that, that's doubling. That's basically doubling. Yeah. And that's in one year. And that's and that's pretty much almost immediately after Trump called the press the enemy of the people. Uh, 
the U.S. is now ranked among the top five most dangerous countries for journalists. Wow. I think it's like Afghanistan is number one. Yeah. But like the U.S. is still in the top five. That's a small list considering how many countries are in the world Mm -hmm. and the U.S. is number five. It's should really make you look at how the people of your country view and treat journalists and people in the press if you're on the list of top five in the world. Yeah. And, like, when it comes to, like, say, Afghanistan, where there is, you know, active war going on, it and the politics system, political system is, or what politics system they do have is very complicated. Like the whole situation over there is quite complicated depending on where you are in Afghanistan. But in the U.S., it really shouldn't be that high up. Yeah, like especially considering how the U.S. sees themselves as this like beacon of civility and like this like elite country yeah like there's a that's just sorry you go on i was gonna say there's like a reason that like or there was a reason why the united states was like called the free world it suggested something that was so amazing and grand and then like the u.s is not really all that um yeah uh, and then this case is a bit of a two for one because I'm gonna touch on another case that happened this year because it's related. Yeah. Um, this year was also uh, there was also the death of Washington Post columnist Jamal uh, Khashoggi, um, which has been like really major news lately. Yeah. Uh, he was very critical of the royal regime of Saudi Arabia. Um, and on October 2nd, he was killed in the Saudi consulate in Istanbul. Uh, many people worldwide believe he was killed by Saudi agents under orders by Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. Uh, even after this, Donald Trump wouldn't end uh, his deal with Saudi Arabia, even under pressure from American citizens. Yeah, And when... He, when asked if he believed the prince uh, ordered the killing, he he just said maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Of course he did. It was like really flippant and just like, oh, I don't even care. And ties so, a lot of things. Yeah. So that's pretty much all I had to say about that. Um, it's just like. A really scary climate when you think about uh, how, just how things are going. Like, the press and journalism is supposed to be like this, this thing that separates us from, like like, a fascist regime. Or, you know, like, it's supposed to separate us from 
countries like North Korea, yeah. where, you know, all the press has to be filtered through and, and only what, you know, um, Kim Jong-un wants to, you know, be in the news, yeah. that's what's in the news. Exactly. And that's pretty much just, like, where we're headed. Yeah, it's, it, things are definitely turning into, like, a... I guess becoming more censored, it's becoming more censorship, but not for the right, or not censoring the right things. The filtering is becoming very. What's the word I'm looking for? Like, like it's really starting to cater towards those who are in power. Mm-hmm. Like that's the kind of. It reminds me of like the whole. Um, what's the thing I'm 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 thinking about? Oh, I'm thinking about um, George Orwell's like Big Brother, like like is watching sort of situation where like in a in a time is moving forward, time will forever move forward, but it feels like we're, we're regressing and becoming more repressed in terms of what kind of access to different kinds of news and opinions on things that should really be looked at looked at in, in an objective way. Like, we know that murder is bad. But why are Nazis getting away with murder? Like, stuff like that is just not being handled correctly. And being just filtered out because they don't want to deal with it. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting that, like, both of our cases had to do with, you know, things that Trump has said. Yeah. Like, with the Border Patrol, you know, and what he said about Mexicans, but also just the fact that he is so adamant on building a wall and increasing border security and increasing the amount of Border Patrol officers there are and all of that. And, you know, it does just feel like we're moving backwards in time. It. it- it really freaking does. It really does. And, like, he's creating all this fear over the people on the outside. But, like, once again, the U.S. is number five on the list of the most dangerous places for journalists. Like, within your own country. Like, he's so, he's so afraid. Or not he's so afraid. But there's, like, been a stirring up of this fear of people coming into the country but there's so much shit that's going on inside within the country that should be dealt with first that are actual yeah. threats to your people mhm <sighs> i recognize that tone yeah this episode's a doozy <laughs> i recognize those signs well i'm also just very frustrated with our recordings right now uh uh, that's For our true. listeners, uh, we have had every single kind of recording problem. Basically. Just all in a row. <laughs> and I have no idea how it's going to turn out with the editing. And I hope I'm not going to have to, like, just have really shitty audio somewhere because it, like, cut out weird. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. We're, we've gone... 
all over the place with this one episode, our end of the year episode. I guess it makes sense though. It's the end of the year. We've had minor hiccups up until this point. I wouldn't call them minor. In terms we of like had technical. We had those episodes where um, it recorded from my laptop mic instead of That's the true. high quality mic. But it's been a while, I think, since something this frustrating has happened when recording. That's true. It's been a few months. Like It was the- like over the summer, I think, was when it was like the worst. Well, there were like minor things. Like there were things that we understood, like we could figure out what the problem was. It's like, oh, we accidentally had like the laptop mic recording. Oh, like this wasn't plugged in the way. Oh, I had my mic turned down. Like those things were like, ah, problem solved. We know to avoid this thing next time. But anyways, but. we didn't want <laughs> to leave this episode on such a down. No, um, it's the end of the year. Yeah. We're fast approaching 2019, and we wanted to end it on a more positive vibe. Exactly. So Jasmine and I are going to go through our kind of top three happy things of 2018. Yeah. Uh, to just kind of offset all of the horrible things exactly. of 2018, just <laughs> at least just for a moment. Yeah, you know, trying to end with end the end the year. You see, if you end the year in a positive way, then the next it will start nice. So hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed. <laughs> all my fingers crossed, except for my thumbs. That's hard to do, but all the you other can ones. cross them together. That's true. So all you know, my- like when you do the butterfly hand movement. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing. I've crossed all my fingers. Yeah, me too. So. Hopefully that's enough luck to get us through. I'll go first. Okay. Um, so one of the things that I'm really proud of in 2018 is that I actually started facilitating workshops on ableism and accessibility. Yeah. Um, it's something that I have been thinking about for like a really long time, but I always kind of figured I didn't actually have any kind of expertise or or any kind of knowledge to share but I'm working with a collective called Crip and we are like we're actually doing pretty well we've been invited to a couple universities to do uh, versions of the workshop we've done it at a make change conference like it's actually like kind of gaining momentum and actually becoming something so i'm really proud of it and i think it's something cool yeah um i'm very proud of you You accomplished a lot in this year that's a good thing to put on your list so for those who don't know me i worked for a bit after graduating and i got let go and i went through like a really tough time mentally like just very depressed like what do i do now and like this one thing that I'm glad that I went through is going back to school. I've been thinking about it for a long time, but I was always too afraid. It was like, oh, you know, I'm too old. If I go back to school now, being schooled till I'm 30, and, like, that's the worst thing that could possibly happen. It's really not. <laughs> but, like, that was the sort of mindset I had while I was working and, like, briefly after I, like, left my, or, like, my, my job was over with. So, like, I'm very glad. It was very 
tough for me to like sort of suck up my pride and be like, this is what you want. There are people older than you who go back to school. If you want to go back to school, just do it. There's like nothing holding you back now. So it was like a, I'm glad that I went back or I'm back in school. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah, that is like a really big thing. Like, I am a university dropout. So, like, when you told me you were going back to school, there was all of these, like, weird, conflicted feelings in me where I was like, oh, my God, not only are you going to have, like, an advanced diploma, but you're going to get your degree before me and I started before you. Um, But I'm actually, like, really impressed with, like how determined you've been and how you've just been handling everything and like you're doing school way better than I ever did and like I'm just really proud of you (laughs) thank you what's your what's your next next thing so back in April I got the chance to actually walk a runway uh for It was called Math X, which is like um, an exhibition of the uh, student designers at Ryerson, um, a university in Toronto. Um, And it was for a designer who created a line of accessible clothing called Unform. And so like I, I think it was 2017, I began to try modeling and I just assumed I would never actually get to walk a runway and that no one actually would want to like hire me but this designer actually reached out to me and was like hey like um someone sent me your info and like I think you would be really awesome to be a part of this and so I actually um was part of that that whole thing and it was just like really exciting and I got to have like the behind the scenes model experience where we were like in a dressing room and like people were doing my hair and my makeup and like I had to go to fittings and like um then I just had to like walk in front of people and like It doesn't seem like a big thing when you put it that way, but, like, I am terrified of being watched and looked at. Yeah. But I didn't trip. I looked pretty dang cool. And, like, I actually got to accomplish something that I thought would just, like, never happen for me. Yeah. Like, it was... I I don't think you told me about your runway experience like I saw when you posted it and I was like oh my gosh like that's amazing you've done it like amazing like in like I've been modeling for what like a a, two two years I want to say three Uh, like a year and a half okay like yeah two year and a half so like the fact that you were able someone approached you which is like the thing that most people hope for when they're trying to like do something is like first to have someone come to you 
as opposed to always looking around for stuff and the fact you got to represent disabled people and like also fashion and oh it was it was gorgeous i saw i saw like the stuff it's like amazing that's my friend <laughs> like a proud parent like tear rolling down my eye or not my eye my cheek <laughs> <laughs> i guess it kind of rolls down your eye like i start from the bottom already though like it's on its way out anyway <laughs> <laughs> we all know how tears work it's it's fine um but yes congratulations so what about you uh, next on my list was actually my health. Like, oh. health is an ever-growing or ever-changing thing, fluctuating thing. But, like, for the first time in a long time, I was able to do something about my health, which has always been an issue for me. Um, I've had a very shitty relationship with food for a long, 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 long time. And... um it's finally gotten to a point where I'm not as stressed out about my health-related issues as much. Like, when I lost my job, and I was... For those... I'm just a voice on this thing, but, like, for those who, who don't know me, I've always been on the heavier side, which is fine, but, like, it got so bad to the point where it was, effect, it was actually affecting my health. And I've got a number of non-weight-related issues, but can become weight related issues like I've dislocated both my knees so if I was became very very heavy that'd be very bad because then my knees would dislocate again and again and again they've already done, been through that and I don't want that to happen um and like it was affecting my sleeping I couldn't sleep properly I was I was snoring really really bad it I was like stop I, my, my breathing was stopping in the middle of the night and I was like you know what Th that's it I need to do something about this I'm 20 I was gonna be 20 I'm 25 now and I'm just glad that I've managed to actually take a step towards being a healthier person because as you get older it's not you're just gonna come with more age-related problems so that's what I'm glad for and I'm hoping in 2019 that I can can hopefully continue to improve my relationship with health and my body. Yes. That's a good one. Yeah. Proud. I think it's always good to kind of appreciate the relationship we have with our bodies. And, you know, that's as much of an accomplishment as anything else. Yeah, because you only have one body, right? And for a lot of people, their relationship with their body is very, very complicated. I feel like for most people in this day and age, it's very, very complicated how you feel about your body, how you treat your body, you know, so yeah, that's what to say. Um, all right. So my kind of top moment yeah. of 2018 was, um, earlier this month. I got a short story published in an anthology called Toronto 2033. Amazing! And this was a story that um, earlier this year um, I 
got told about this collective that was putting together this anthology. I submitted some writing samples and they were like, yeah, join in. And they paid me like really well. Yeah. And like that was like the biggest part for me was the fact that not only did I get my fiction published, I got it paid for it. And I got it paid for not like a measly insignificant amount because there are like places where it's like ten dollars for a, a two thousand word story. Yeah, and I got paid significantly more than ten dollars. So yeah, it was like amazing. Well, it's like it's it like it must be really really nice to be sort of compensated for the work that you've put in because writing is a lot of work it's a lot of time it's a lot of energy like a lot goes into it and like it's i guess it's also validating as well that like yeah other people are like hey that's some good shit (laughs) (laughs) well i don't know if they would say that well not like that but but Yeah, it was kind of cool to be, like, commissioned for a piece. Like, I had to write around a theme. We came up with, like, um, all of our stories um, had the same foundation. Like, we came together as a group and was like, in 15 years, we think Toronto's going to look like this. And we, we talked about technology. We talked about climate change. We talked about just, like, a whole bunch of things yeah and it was just like a really nifty experience um the only thing though is that because it wasn't just like a story that was born out of my brain I don't feel as like proud of it like I felt like I was uh trying to like fit a certain narrative and I didn't get to include all of the things I wanted to include but it still turned out pretty well and I I had a non-binary character in it which was like a major move for me I've always uh kind of written female characters as my main characters and stories so to have one that actually reflected my own gender yeah was like it was like a really weird process but it's one i'm like really glad i went through for sure once again congratulations thank you you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) um all right i guess this is the last one. I feel like we're delivering this with, like, a heavier tone than we intended, even though we're, like, very, like, <laughs> proud of the things that have happened. Whoops. I did it again. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> did it again. As Britney Spears would say, or I did it again. Anyway. Well, I was in love with that song when I was a child, Oops, so it makes sense that it would just become <laughs> the motto of my life. Um, all right. So... My last thing, it it has to do with the 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 dance collective I'm with, and the reason why it's important to me is because I am a very very like 
be, be surprised. I'm a very shy person and social for most of my life. I've tried to avoid social situations that involved other people, especially people I don't know. Like, I've had the same friends for most of my life. Most of the new friends I've made, I've made through friends I've already had. I've hadn't had to really hone my social skills that much in my 25 <laughs> years of life because everyone else has just been doing it for me um <laughs> hey all my friends i like all of my new friends i've like never actually like met in person yeah they're all just like from the internet and we all live in the same city it's not like it's long distance friendships and like i can't meet them yeah. it's just like i just don't <laughs> you could but don't so, like, you're already doing better than well, I am. Well, that's what I'm getting into. Like, the only new friends I'd make would be online friends that I couldn't even possibly meet. And even when they'd offer to me, I'd be like, no. Not because I was worried about my safety, so I didn't want to have to deal with trying to socialize with a person in person because online allows me to properly, like, gather my thoughts and be a more coherent person than I am when just talking to some people who... Like, when I talk to Mari, we know each other well enough that, like, the way I talk or we talk to each other is normal. There's nothing weird about it to us. But then, like, I find myself when I'm interacting with other people, they're kind of like, um, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, they, they don't... <laughs> They don't look like it's 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 like an interesting situation and I'm trying to I've been trying to as I call adulting to do things that bring me out of my comfort zone which is social interaction so getting involved in things which has been like my dance group because I didn't know anyone in the group I'm the oldest member of the group, so it also meant interacting people much younger than me, which I haven't had to do since like high school, <laughs> and even and that's terrifying. Yeah, to be honest, because like the youths now, the the youth the youths now they're they're interesting. Yeah, and like they're all like knowledgeable about trends and stuff, and I feel like this old man who like yeah doesn't know anything and i'm always like coming in like oh what's the slang these days yeah. kiddos like i remember one time i call my dance collective my children even though there's only like a five year difference between like me and the youngest person but like we were at dinner once and we were on instagram and i wanted to know how to add another story to the one story that i obeyed because i see people doing on the, uh, that on instagram and i was like oh i want to do that too that looks cool and I made everyone stop the conversation. I'm like, can someone show me how to, to, how to, like, add a thing? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, you see how there's a story and there's more stories? How do I do that? And they're like, like, you don't know how to do that? And I was like, I, I, I don't understand. Like, what do I do? I'm, pr I'm pressing the story thing, but it keeps showing me my story. How do I make another story? And they didn't answer my question. They just laughed at me. I had to ask my partner and he explained it to me. But, like, I feel... So it's like, it's like, it's, it's just... A whole bunch of new territories having to socialize with people who I didn't know previously or I had no connections to whatsoever having to dance and sing in front of a, an audience again for the first time in a very very long time 
having to, you know, this, in a way, this podcast has helped me in terms of trying to promote things a little bit, because I'm like, ah, we've had to do that with our podcast, like, tell people about it. So, like, almost every time. I mean, you still suck at that. Online, but. online, yes. But, like, in person, <laughs> like, in person, anytime I meet a new person, I mention my podcast and I mention my dance collective. Like, people in my, people in my, my major tutorial know that I'm on a podcast because I plugged it into a presentation that I was doing the second week of school. I didn't know anybody. Like, it's interesting. Well, that's, like, really... Yeah. Like, there are people in my life who, like, only just found out that I have a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, I've been doing this for a very long time now. Yeah. And everyone's like, wait, what? You have a podcast? And I'm like, yeah, I'm on, like, episode 20. Like, amazing. Like, (laughs) I've told them I've started a new job and, like, or I did start two new jobs when I when I was I began school I was like I was doing um that fo- that call center for a while like almost everyone there knew at my at my delivery furniture delivery job almost everyone there knows as well like after I work with someone I'm like find a way to bring it up like I can see how putting myself in situations that I avoided before because they're so incredibly uncomfortable and it's really hard for me to talk about things that I do that I feel like might be bragging to other people. It's like... Yeah, I have issues with that, too. It's like, how do I, like, tell people that I'm doing this thing that they should know about or tell other people without feeling like I'm being intrusive or, like, braggy or, like... Like, it's it's a very... I, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out how to do that. But it turns out it's very, very simple. You just tell them, and if they like what you say then they'll check it out but they don't like what's the worst that can happen it's getting over that fear of what's the worst that can happen also we both need to learn to just be like fuck it I'm doing cool things I'm proud of what I'm doing and like I deserve to brag about it yeah it's like it's it's just like it's not even like we're humble it's just we're so afraid of just putting ourselves out there yeah, and I think we're both, like, afraid to seem, like, full of ourselves. Yeah. Because I think, considering all of our identities, we haven't really been taught to be out and open and proud and, you know, of our accomplishments. Like, we're always supposed to downplay everything, and yeah. we're always supposed to be very, like, stoic and, and you know, like hardworking but not like oh look at all the stuff I'm doing it's supposed to just be like you know we're taught to to minimize our accomplishments and to be more critical of ourselves than proud exactly and so I think like I'm proud of both of us because we've made a lot of progress together that's true in like doing that like when we first started we were like afraid of recording and like we didn't know how to talk and everything was like weird and awkward and I feel like we've grown so much as podcasters since then and like I'm legitimately proud of both of us and like all the work we've put into it yeah well it's we we, as you said we should be proud of the things that we've done like we, we downplay a lot of it 
like, oh, it's just this thing. Oh, it's just whatever. But, you know, it's not just that. Like, it's big. It's a big deal for us. The things that we're doing. It's a big deal. I also want to let all of our listeners know that you look really hot when you're dancing in your collective. Thanks. And I've only seen, like, two of your performances, but both of them, <laughs> you looked really good. Thanks. I'm, I'm working on trying to internalize good vibes and to, and to expel them outwards. Like, you know when you think you look good, but then you just, like, you know when you think you're smiling, but you're actually just, like, being stoic or, like, making a really awful face? trying to get better at (laughs) (laughs) trying to make the way I feel on the inside show on the way that I feel on the outside most of the time I just gotta look angry but one of these days I'm gonna nail it and people will think I look like I'm having a good time we'll we'll get there this this is an issue that you have had literally the entire time I've known you you have always looked unimpressed and angry not angry but just like yeah, unimpressed, I think, is the best word for it. <laughs> I, I've gotten angry a few times. My past show, like uh, the one that you were, that you um, couldn't come to, but there was somebody who was um, working with us for the past show. And like every time we were in rehearsal, he's like, Jasmine, stop looking down. Jasmine, stop looking angry. And I'm like, but I'm having fun. This is my, like, <laughs> like, I thought I was making a fun face. Like, no, you look mad at the audience. I'm like, oh. <laughs> So, well, anyway. at the ones that I've seen, you didn't. You look like you were having a great time. It's a work in progress. Also, your looks are on point. I'm very much into fashion. I've learned to, like, embrace fashion. When I was younger, I was very much against, like, fashion. I don't think you were against fashion. You were just against the fashion that your mom was trying to force well, on you. Well, not just that. Anything that was, like, remotely too feminine or to not fitting with like our what was what was trendy in our collective of friends was like sort of like the trying to be emo but like not really like I just I feel more inclined to experiment with my style and not feel constricted to one sort of thing like the freedom that fashion and expression you know that sort of stuff. Not that I hated fashion, I just hated going outside of a certain style because I was afraid of how people would perceive me. I don't want to be perceived too girly or too black or too whatever. You know? But now you've come to realize that all of those things are amazing about you. Yeah, I can literally dress however I want, whenever I want. It doesn't matter what other people think as long as I think and feel comfortable in it. That's all that matters. And maybe all that matters, but also you look really good. Thanks, bro. Like, every time I see you, I'm always like, dang, how'd you put together such a nice outfit? Like, it's still like a comfy-looking outfit, but it looks good. Fashion. My wallet is crying because I buy too many clothes, but... At least I, at least I feel nice. Oh boy. Well, you look nice. Thank you. 
All right, so that segment took a little bit longer than I intended. Oh, this whole thing has been a long, but you know what? It's the end of the year. We'll we'll figure it out. <laughs> All right. Um, before we go, do you want to do a kind of a one last kind of thing we're looking forward to next year? Sure. Let's 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 do that. For next year, um, off the top of my head, I'm looking forward to, you know, hopefully being able to reach a broader audience, you know, next year, more people, new listeners in terms of our podcast, um, more collaborations, I think would be nice, you know, Mm -hmm. get more voices on here. I mean, I know you, everyone loves us, but... (laughs) You know, it'd be nice to keep finding ways to try to mm, surprise our listeners and keep them engaged. Like, remind them why we're so special and awesome and different from everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) How about you? Uh, For me, I guess what I'm looking forward to in 2019 is... Uh, just like all of the ways that we can grow and get better and just like refine this whole thing because I feel like from the from the first episode to now we've done so much like refining and retuning and like I know that's literally what we're always going to be doing so that means by the end of 2019, we're going to have like the most amazing podcast ever. Yeah. If we're just going by trajectory. For sure. So like a lot, of, I think a lot of it, I guess what most people look forward to or hopefully look forward to in the next year is just a lot of growth. You never want to regress as a person. Like no matter how old you get, you just want to keep on improving and learning. So that is always, every year will be something. Okay, I guess that's it for this episode. Yeah, it was a long one, but um, hopefully good one. Yeah. I'm going to have my work cut out for me in editing, but... Yeah, you've got, you've got... <laughs> I pray for you. <laughs> I don't pray often, but I'll use my few prayers for you. Because you've got to definitely have a task. You You know, normally I do not like when people say uh, they're praying for me, but in this case, like, I need all the prayers I can get. (laughs) If only you guys knew how absolutely freaking complicated this situation is. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be a murderer. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. New Year, everybody. What?